This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by the Live Alcohol Experiment, a 30-day science-based and compassion-led journey where you learn to develop a healthier relationship with alcohol without relying on willpower. Why? Because the truth is that willpower runs out. Instead, you learn how to focus on what you gain, not what you give up, so you can feel good about the decisions you make without shame or guilt. With the 30 days of video training, virtual daily coaching, and a private and supportive community, you get that and so much more. Join us today to get happier, healthier, and to take back your life. Your live alcohol experiment starts on the 1st, so sign up at livealcoholexperiment.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Pinyard, head coach at This Naked Mind, and I am back for another edition of Coaching Questions. This time I have Dr. Ginny Trierweiler with me. How's it going, Ginny? It's going well. I'm here in Oaxaca, Mexico, enjoying the sunshine. All my <laughs> friends talk about blizzards back in the States. Yeah, I'm super jealous of you being in Mexico right now. <laughs> um, so, Ginny, uh, you know, Jenny said, uh, I asked Jenny what she does. And here's, here's how, who Jenny works with. She says, I work with women of a certain age, generally 50s and 60s, who find they are overeating and or over drinking and who are becoming more and more concerned about their futures. Tell me a little bit more about that, Jenny. I can absolutely see how that would be a, a, a group of people um, that would be reaching out for help. Yeah. Uh, well, it was me. I was um, I was really losing my health, even though I imagined myself being in my 70s and 80s and being really spry and active and hiking and all these things. By the time I was about 55, I could barely walk. I couldn't go oh. for a walk by the park anymore. I had trouble doing the grocery shopping. Um, I was drinking probably a bottle of wine every night and kind of doing this I call it queenly eating. I was like doing this super indulgent eating and drinking every single day, like something that might be okay if you did it once or twice a year. But if you do it every day, like, and for so many years in my life, I felt like I was getting away with it, right? Like I never gained weight until yep. I did. And I never had problems with drinking until I did. Um, I thought I was being really sophisticated. And I just ended up, I ended up by the time I was 55 and just struggling, struggling, like I can't find a way to change this. I can't break these habits. I mean, I was feeling suicidal by that point. Like I, I don't, I am so ashamed. I feel so miserable. I feel like such a failure. I don't know what to do. Nothing works. So once I, you know, I'm jumping way ahead, but once I figured out how to turn all that around, you know, I found Annie Grace for help with the drinking and I figured out ways of eating that would really break, break the pro the cycle of overweight and overeating. Um, I had to help other women because I felt like, boy, they're getting terrible advice. Most yeah. of the places they turn, <laughs> yes. right. And they're just, you know, when we lose that whole group of women in our society to ill health, and disease and inability to do very much anymore. We have lost something huge. Like we need these women to be their best. Um, so I really wanted to help them like this works, you can do this. I love that. And I know that feeling so well. I mean, that's how I started coaching after reading This Naked Mind 
I just, I remember I was, uh, I was part of an online like self-improvement group at that point. And I remember going into that group and posting, like, you have to read this book. Like, and I felt like I needed to communicate it. Um, so I totally get it. I'm really, I'm really interested in, um, kind of the overlap of over drinking and overeating. Um, and yeah. actually one of the questions I have from you is, ba- uh, that someone wrote in is asking exactly that. She says, I use two things to cope with stress, food and alcohol. I yeah. truly do think alcohol is a bigger problem. However, I'm worried that if I quit drinking, I'll be picking up all types, types of snacks and not the kind that are good for me to right. deal with stress. I feel stuck. And yes. So that's what she said. And I see this all the time and people will come to us and they'll be talking about, you know, they'll say, Hey, I have a problem with like, definitely my diet is an issue and my drinking is an issue. I can't get a handle on either of them. Like, I'm very interested in how those two are kind of intertwined and what you would say to this person who wrote in. Yeah, I know for me, I mean, part of my wake up call was I found out I was pre-diabetic. Like I was having all these signs that my health was going down and then I found out I'm pre-diabetic. And so I really, I really started researching this. I also started working in nursing homes. And I don't know if people know this, but the people in nursing homes are not far from my age. Like I was thinking it's gonna be people in their 80s and 90s. No, it's a lot of people in their 60s and 70s who have developed diabetes or had a stroke or wow. have dementia. You know, like they're losing their cognitive functioning. And when I studied, how does this happen? It, it went back to what you're eating and drinking more than anything. Like you can talk about all these contributors to your health and your aging, but it's eating and drinking more than anything. These are the really big dominoes. Yeah. So I had to get a little bit honest, like Ginny, this is where you're headed. You're not going to be this 80 year old hiking. You're headed for the nursing home in the next five to 10 years. If you don't break out of this, um, So for me, what I started saying to myself is I started changing my identity rather than I eat the most pleasurable foods. I'm very sophisticated by overeating and over drinking every night doing this really self-indulgent thing. I started saying everything I ingest either makes me healthier or makes me sicker. Like everything I ingest either helps or harms my body. So rather than tell myself a little won't matter, a little sugar, a little alcohol won't matter, I knew that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, so I quit saying that to myself and started saying, I'm going to really start to figure out how do I do the best by my body? Like if I lived on a desert island, I would look to make my body as functional as possible. Right. And if I want to be the person hiking in my 80s, I also need to take that approach to my body. So yeah, that made a really big difference to me to tackle both at once actually was far easier than doing one and then doing the other. So that was going to be my question because the, the, uh, what I normally, when people ask me this question, we always talk about the idea of the big domino, uh, right? And so I'll ask them like, which one? And even this person who wrote in said, you know, I I think alcohol is a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when I've coached people, I coach them through the beliefs around alcohol And then, and a lot of times, to be honest with you, like particularly this one is I use food and alcohol to deal with stress, right? So there's a belief right there. Um, So you're saying that you found that it was easier to do both at once. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Well, partly the brain chemistry, you know, the, uh, the addiction pathways in my brain, I could see them because like so many days I would say, I'm not gonna drink tonight. I'm not gonna eat like that. I'm just gonna eat healthy. 
And by the end of the day, my brain was saying, I am going to eat and drink all that stuff. I, I don't know how I could possibly relax. I don't know how I could possibly get to sleep without that stuff. Of course, I'm going to do that stuff. And then just the, this shame spiral that I would get into. So I knew for me, at least, and for a lot of my clients too, like sugar is not that far different from alcohol. It right. may not have the intoxicating effects, but the addictive reaction, like I want more, 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 is very much part of the brain chemistry. So I knew rather than keep those addiction pathways running with sugar, um, I, if I tackle both of these at once, uh, I'll get through that so much faster and with so much less pain. It's scary at first, like the idea <laughs> of I'm going to move away from both of these at once. But the fact that it's scary is a sign that that's something that's non-nutritious and addictive. Yeah. So I wanted to rip the Band-Aid off, you know, get through that moment as fast as possible and just really focus on how do I give myself what's going to help my body? I love that. And I actually really like that. Um, what did you say? Everything I eat either helps me or hurts yes. me. Yes. Um, I think that's, or everything I eat and drink, I guess is what right. you said. Yeah. Um, I think that's so amazing because one of the things, and it's so simple, right? And one yeah. of the things that, you know, I see people very often kind of dealing with, and particularly around this question around stress is like, oh, well, I quit drinking and then I started eating, like my stress food is French fries. So mm -hmm. like when I quit drinking, I was having French fries like I don't even want to say how many times, they definitely so more than four times a week, more like yeah. seven times a week. Right. <laughs> um, and, but that was part of the, that was part of the journey for me. Right. What I like yep. about this approach is the idea that you're including all of it. Right. And it's about yeah. help or harm. So when you work with clients, how do you set them up? Like, how do you get them to deal with, you mentioned it's, it's scary. How yeah. do you deal with that fear when it comes up? Yeah. Uh, one thing that we do is we start with adding before we subtract. Um, so what I really found is once I really started amping up my nutritious foods, my body started responding in a really happy way. And that gave me sort of more confidence and courage to get rid of the things I needed to get rid of. I like so that. So I really started with that. I'm going to eat quite a lot more nutritious foods. I'm going to keep amping that up. Um, my clients find that feels good, yeah. you know, to, to start by adding before they take things away. People are used to the concept of dieting, and this is really different from that because dieting is all about deprivation. It's all about being temporary, yeah. and that just is not going to add up to results. Um, yeah, I created a masterclass on this. I can tell people how to find it at some point if, if they want to understand because this whole idea that I'm going to reduce my calories and that's going to lead to healthy weight loss is just so wrong. It's my soapbox. Don't get me started. I, I can tell you're getting amped up. No, that's awesome. And I mean, so the thing is, I mean, this is part, this idea of the misinformation that's out there um, yes. is uh, for me around alcohol that really drives me. Um, yes. You know, when I watch, uh, I saw someone, I was in an airport yesterday for the first time in a year. Um, yes. And I saw someone, I saw a lady pushing a stroller and she mm -hmm. had a shirt on that says, oh no, the kid had the shirt, right? The kid had the shirt on that said something like, mommy drinks because I cry. And oh, ouch. I'll be honest with you, 10 years ago, I would have thought that was funny. funny. Now yeah. I see it and I'm like, ah, you know, and it's like all of these, all of these sort of lies and misinformation that's out there. And for someone who's trying to change their way they eat or for someone who's trying to change the way they drink, 
It's yes. like, where do you turn? Like, where yeah. is this information? So I know I get the soapbox idea because I, I feel that way very often. Like you don't have to believe these things right. that, are, you know, that you're told. And I feel like getting a little mad about that is part of the positive emotion that moved me, that got me out of my stuck place. Like that is BS, you know, I'm not gonna believe that anymore. I'm gonna notice that they're telling me, oh, having some wine is good for you. Oh, having these chips, having these fries, having this chocolate, blah, blah, blah. it's all good for you, yeah. You know, yeah, 80 you can find anything you want, right? Yeah. Just Google like French fries healthy and you'll find yeah. someone that says it's and meanwhile, you know, when I was growing up, most people were not overweight, but now most people are overweight. And that's a really fast change that's, and that's all due to our eating. Um, yeah, so the people marketing food and drink to us do not care about us. Um, and we need to like start to hypnotize ourselves in response, like in defense. Yeah, so good. Um, so another thing I was thinking about your, niche in working with women in their 50s and 60s. Um, and I thought about my mother-in-law um, mm -hmm. and my mom. And one thing that I know, um, my mother-in-law doesn't drink, my mom does occasionally. Um, but one thing that I know is really important to them is their grandkids um, yeah. and yeah. being able to connect. And you know, particularly um, once retirements comes, whenever that happens or whatever that looks like for us. Right. Um, and I found another question around this and I'd really be interested to hear your response. So the question is this, I keep thinking about my reasons for quitting and they mm -hmm. always boil down to my grandkids. I wanna do more with them. I want to be there longer for them. And I end up feeling so bad when I choose to drink, even though I have kept them as my why so firmly in my mind. What yeah. can I do to get myself to understand that they are more important than alcohol? Yeah, I think um, one of the things we know about people trying to go through a habit change is that we can expect too much in the short run and we can expect too little in the long run. Mm -hmm. So if we don't, if so it really helps to envision that future that we really picture. So for me, and I, I made it big for myself, nursing home in the next five years, hiking in the mountains, you know, in the next 25 years. Um, and what I, because I saw people in nursing homes every day on my job, I really made it very real. And I think that's part of what we need to do is kind of do that vision work that makes it so real and yep. really see a better future than we even can imagine. Cause that's the truth. Like I have completely transformed my health and my life by making these eating and drinking changes. I, it's, it's astonishing. Um, it's bigger than people realize. So trying to really see that, flesh it out, not just say, I want to be here for my grandkids, but really feel it. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And this is where, you know, this idea of, we talk about what's your why. Um, yeah. It's really meant to be an inspirational thing, not something to beat yourself over the head with. I right? know. <laughs> yeah. The foundational thing that, that we you know, one of the big foundations to what we do at This Naked Mind, as you know, Jenny, is like compassion-led. It's yes. yourself yes. first. And yes. so often what I see happening, and by the way, I did the same thing. Um, yeah. You know, I wrote a list of, you know, my, you know, my wife's name, my kids' names, yeah. and I used to travel a lot for work. And I remember before, um, you know, I'd finished up work for the day, was in my hotel room, the thought, hey, let's go get some beer or scotch, yeah. or I mean, honestly, both came into yeah. my head. And I would pull out this list and I would read that list. Yeah. Um, 
And then somehow I would decide to drink and then yeah. I would beat the hell out of myself later. And that's not what the whys are meant to be, right? right? And so yeah. the first thing I see in this question is really just, you know, I want this person to really give themselves I know. Grace, right? Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting thing that like, when you get to the point where you're looking at this list of whys and you're trying to use this to guilt yourself into drinking right. or not yeah. drinking, the thing that happens over and over and over, as you mentioned before, like what, you know, what is the positive emotion here? There's no positive emotion there. Right. Like, I know. Either I'm going to drink, which I don't want to do. Um, right. And if I'm not going to drink, then I'll be with my grandkids. But in the meantime, I feel really conflicted. Um, yeah. It's really tough. So I love your idea of expanding that why in yeah. like literally doing a visualization exercise, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I do that with people all the time where I'm like, think about your destination. What does it feel like? And making yes. it so very real. Yes, I think so. There's a technique called the um, the Dickens technique that Tony yep. Robbins does. Yeah, where you just really project into the future. If you hold on to the behaviors and beliefs you have, where are you in five years, 10 years, 20 years? For me, nursing home, dead. Um, and where are you? And, and you really kind of go through it slow enough to feel it. And it kind of, it does really kind of help. It but I think people are also talking about how do I walk through that door? Like I thought by getting clear that it was about the grandkids that I would walk through the door and I'd be done. Right. The, the thing is, it's an iterative process. And you really, I know um, my clients really have to get this. Like you just have to do one, you do your part for your body one step at a time. And just like what I decided is, until I'm in a nursing home and I don't have the choice anymore of what to eat, I'm gonna fight to figure this out and I'm gonna do what it takes every day and hopefully that'll turn things around. And if it doesn't, at least I'll know I fought for it. Um, I don't know, there's like all these pieces, making a firm decision, um, kind of putting in the supports in your life to make it more and more likely and then noticing, okay, I made this much progress and I'm gonna keep going with that. I think, yes, and that's a really good point. And I, you know, you mentioned earlier, like expecting too much in the short term and not enough in the long term. Yeah. A why about being there for my grandkids is very, very, very future based. I don't know how old this person is, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, and it seems very distant, but just yeah. understanding from something like the Dickens technique, because I think that's that's like five, 10 and 20 years or something, right? You look yeah, at- Something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, recognizing how one little choice right now tonight right. Right. to have tea instead of wine yeah that one choice yes. is something that has ramifications for the next 20 years 30 years exactly. 40 years you know yeah. and it, think, it, it compounds you know right. whether we're doing the bad habits they compound bigger than we think and whether we're doing the good habits they compound so that was a big part of it for me is just start building habits and one thing i would say to myself is i do my part and my body takes care of the rest like when it comes to weight loss, for example, people have this idea like, I cut my calories for a week and my weight didn't go down. Yes. This is not the approach to take to your body. It's like, body, I'm really sorry. I've really been abusing you as though, you know, thinking I was getting away with it. Um, I'm really gonna watch what, you, what you're telling me. I'm really gonna try caring for you because you're, you're where I live my whole life. There's no getting a different body. So I have to say, I... Um... You know, uh, a while back, Annie, uh, Annie and I recorded some of the content for our year-long program, The Path, 
And there is a section in there where we talk about the three layers of emotion. Um, and one of those layers is something we call affect, which is a psychological term for like the, okay. the physical feelings in your body. Okay. And I remember this was a, this was a turning point for me. And I've done a lot of this work over the years too, of developing that awareness of how I actually feel. Yeah. And it's funny because I think a lot of times we think we feel bad because of the alcohol. Yeah. I haven't drank for almost, I don't even know how long years, yeah. it's like five right. years, six years, something like that. Yeah. Um, but developing that awareness has yeah. changed what I reach for, for food. Yeah. It has totally changed. And like, um, I think that's such a key part of this in terms of, yeah. like you said, talking to your body and saying, I'm going to listen to the signals that you're giving me. Yeah. Um, but doing it in a way that is not, um, punitive, punitive. Yeah. And recognizing, and I think the same is true for food as it is with alcohol, like where you are with food, yeah. Just like where you are with alcohol is not your fault, but it's your responsibility. So you talked about the marketing before. And I remember, I think I honestly, I've really tried to figure out why I like French fries so much. I mean, they're delicious, right? But like, I'm like, there's gotta be something else. Um, okay. And I remember when I was a kid, I had a t-shirt that said the French fry kid. And everyone thought that was funny. And oh, I'm like, these wow. are- these What are, an identity. Yeah, right. These are cultural messages we're getting. So is that the same thing with food? Is that what you tell clients? Like, you know, it's not your fault, but now, Absolutely. you know, let's work on it. Absolutely. I try to help them become aware of the traps all around them rather than, be, you know, they hear themselves saying, I deserve this. I said that to myself all the time. I need this. I deserve this. I had to stop and go, what are you saying? You deserve this food or drink that's harming your life. That's making it so you can't take a walk anymore. Yeah. Um, maybe we need to think about what we deserve and start to catch that voice. But the marketing is constantly telling us this, you deserve this little treat. It's not going to hurt you. Well, it's a lie. It is going to hurt you. It's going to have these compounding effects. Um, yeah. But yeah. you can take, you can take charge of that and compound good effects. And it's like, whoa, suddenly things are changing in big ways. Yeah. I love that. Um, I have one more question for you okay. and then we'll get into your curveball question. But okay. so we are recording this. Uh, it is March of 2020, right? 2021. Oh, geez. 2021. I've, I swear like the last year just hasn't happened. I mean, a lot's gone on, but like, uh, anyway, time mm -hmm. is just, I'm out of it. Um, yeah. So we're still, you know, we're still hopefully, fingers crossed at the tail end here of yeah. um, the pandemic, uh, hoping at least here in the States, and I don't know what it's like in Mexico, but we're looking toward the middle of the summer to have a realistic thing, but yeah. I'd like sort of some sort of return to normalcy. But anyway, yeah. here's the question. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear what you think about this. So um, my drinking has skyrocketed through all yeah. the world events over the last year. And I am feeling like I'm on the edge of out of control. Mm -hmm. Uncertainty is really taking its toll on me. How mm -hmm. can I handle this? Yes, that's such a good point. Um, I mean, I feel, I felt that so much, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, like, I don't even, I don't know how to handle all this uncertainty. Am mm -hmm. I going to die? Is my family going to die? Is everyone in the world going to die? It was like right. that kind of, we're all going to die feeling. <laughs> so one of the, one of the things I started working on is what is one thing I can accomplish today that I can cross off the list and know, kind of remind myself, I have agency in my life. I can't control everything that's happening with this pandemic. But I can, you know, clean up the bookshelf, put things in a certain order. I can clean up a certain room. I can do the dishes. Just doing the dishes 
gave me the sense of, I can do stuff. Yes. Um, I think just find little things to get done. Does that feel like it's too small? No, I think that's actually what's needed. Like for me, this feeling of uncertainty, I don't want to get too woo-woo here, but like the reality is that even prior to the pandemic, we had the same amount of uncertainty that we have now. The difference is our field of vision has expanded like because of the emergency, because we're hearing these, you know, tales of how many people are going to the hospital and what's going on. And is it a more dangerous time? Like, yes, technically the virus um, exists now. It didn't exist two years ago. Um, So there is sort of this idea of a new threat, but I think what you're saying is is exactly correct because it's taking our field of vision from this to Uh this. Right? right, obviously being safe. Oh, and those of you who are listening, my hands were wide and now they're, <laughs> now they're closer together. But yeah, taking charge of the things, um, of even just one thing that can help you feel better um, yes. makes such a huge difference. And I yes. think that that's part of the problem with uncertainty and you nailed it, uh, is this this sort of feeling of lack of agency. Yeah. Right? And this idea that I don't know how it felt for you, but I can say when the pandemic started, for me, it almost, this is a cartoonish version of it, but I almost felt like there was like, I don't know, like a black cloud out there that was like approaching me. Like there was some sort of inevitability and it didn't matter what I did, right? Like here we are. And it's true, the results of the pandemic, right? The fallout of that being the isolation and quarantine and not traveling and all the people who've been sick, all of that stuff has happened. However, there's so many choices inside of that for me. Yes, um, and I think we all had to find our own way of, well, I'm gonna go out to this degree in this kind of situation, but always with my mask. We found our ways of coping. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I needed to go from Mexico to the United States over the summer and back. And it was kind of scary to drive across all those states and think about, wow, uh, what are all the situations I might come across that might put me in danger? But I had an approach that I used, and then I just went with the risk the rest of the way. Um, so it worked. It got me through. So I love that idea of really focusing on one thing that, by the way, doesn't need to be connected to the pandemic either, right? I'm yeah. assuming your bookshelf has very little to do with what's going on. Outside. I know, washing the dishes. But yeah, but it's absolutely true. And I think that, um, you know, there's a, I don't want to call it an anxiety spiral, because that sounds pretty extreme, but there really is this thing that we can do. I mean, this is why, if you remember, Ginny, when we were doing Connection a year ago yeah. now, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we uh, we were telling people left and right to stop watching the news. I yeah. think every single Facebook Live I did for like a month included some version of the message, Yes. don't watch Check the it news. <laughs> it's just making you feel worse. Because yeah. it makes you feel helpless. Like it yeah. makes you feel awful. Um, I I tell myself when I start doing that, you can't afford this. You can't afford to be putting this kind of fear into your mind hour after hour after hour. You know, you're fooling yourself. Stop it. I love that. I take a similar but different approach. Um, I have, um, you've heard that story or that, that saying that like, you're most like the people you, the five people you spend the most time with, if you change your friends, you will change. I've taken that to the next level, which is literally that everything actually, now that I realize this, I'm taking this full circle. It's exactly what you said at the beginning of the episode, but for thoughts, 
right? Everything that I am putting in my brain is going to have an effect on me. So if that is CNN all day long, I guarantee you, if I turned on CNN right now, I would be like huddled in the corner by the end of the day, if I just watched it all day. Um, Or if that's studying something or engaging with the coaches or engage, like whatever we put into our brain has an effect on us. Um, Yeah, I love that. Good point. Awesome. All right. Let's go to the curveball question. Are you ready? Okay. All right, Jenny. Um, I am about to grant you one superpower and you have to choose which one. So you can either have the power of invisibility uh-huh. or the power of flight. Which one do you choose? I choose flight. Um, this year, this year, my word for the year is Thor. And it's partly oh. because I'm someone who feels like I have to be working really hard all the time. And I want to kind of get that energy of, you know, the universe has got a lot of support for you if you just kind of relax into it and quit fighting it. I love that. By the way, that's my choice too. Invisibility, like I I feel like it would be cool, but just being able to fly would be great. Could you imagine you could have flown to somewhere between the two of us and done this interview in person? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> awesome. So, Jenny, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This was awesome. Can you tell the people if they want to find out more about you, what is your website? How do they get in touch with you? Yes, they can go to slenderforgood.com and they can find my masterclass there on why exercise and uh, and calorie cutting just doesn't ever add up and what does if they're interested. That is so good. Well, thank you again. Good to see you. Enjoy the sunshine in Mexico. Um, And to all of you listening, thank you for hanging out with us. We will be back again soon with another episode of Coaching Questions. So until then, take care. Hey, I'm so excited because we are literally just about to start another live alcohol experiment. And if you don't know about the alcohol experiment, you need to literally drop everything right now and go to livealcoholexperiment.com. Here's the thing. This is a 30-day challenge and it's designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You'll know it's that version that's living the most joyful life, that version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time, and that version that's having more fun and is more peaceful than ever. Again, it's just a 30-day challenge. It's live every single day. It's starting on the first, so hurry up. Join me at livealcoholexperiment.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.